0: Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Numbers in the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 17 and continuing through verse 21. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land to which I bring you, and when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall present a contribution to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution, like a contribution from the threshing floor, so shall you present it. Some of the first of your dough you shall give to the Lord as a contribution throughout your generation. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. Our New Testament reading for this morning is from the Gospel according to Matthew. In verse 13, beginning at verse 44 and continuing through verse 52. I invite you once again to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Jesus says... The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. (coughs) The kingdom of heaven, that's, what Jesus is speaking of in this series of three short parables. Being omniscient, I'm guessing that the Lord is responding to questions posed about the kingdom of heaven, either directly asked of him or those that have been kept to self. So he teaches in this trio of analogies what it's like. It is like hidden treasure. It is like a pearl of great value. It is like a dragnet. When he draws this three-point lesson to a close, he asks his disciples if they understand all that he has said, and they answered, yes. Now, I have to admit, I am perhaps a little bit skeptical about whether all the disciples who heard him speaking of the kingdom of heaven readily assented to comprehending all he was talking about. Now, if those closest to Jesus, with first-hand knowledge of his teachings, had any struggles following their rabbi's lesson, well, why should we be any different? So I'd like to start this morning by having a a brief review of this rapid-fire trinity of parables from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus begins on land, speaking of riches which lie buried in the dirt. I picture in my mind a, a fellow looking a bit like Jack Sparrow, having a map with an axe on it, digging feverishly to bury a pirate's chest. A man like that has to rely on his wits to survive for any length of time, and not wanting to attract any undue attention to his hoard, he locates the landowner whose property the the map had pointed to, and he buys this piece of property from him, and now it's his own. And by having it in his own possession, he's assured that only a, a trespasser or an invader can get their Pause on it. The acreage that he purchased was a shrewd investment, for it now secures a great prize. Next, Jesus tells a story set near shallow water. It is where the oysters are found, which produce these sought after jewels. On shore, a waterman has delivered to a local shop a selection of pearls. And a merchant who's in the market for just such as this finds there one that really captures his fancy. He has never before seen such an exquisite specimen. I don't know if it was black in color, but there was something very unique about this one. It's love at first sight. He knows right then and there that he must have it, and so he trades all his other possessions for this beauty. Finally, Jesus moves into deeper waters as he speaks of the sort of commercial operation that would have taken place on the Sea of Galilee. Fishermen there would drop large weighted nets over the sides of their boats, and after a period of time that they deemed sufficient, They would draw them back up. And in these large nets, sometimes cooperatively managed by men in multiple boats, they would haul in all the fish that had been in that spot of the lake. For those of you who've been watching the Chosen Video series as part of our Sunday School group, you've seen a portrayal of this technique in episodes from the first season. When the nets of fish are back aboard the boats, they are sorted, the desired fish are kept, the undesirable are discarded. In each of these three parables, Jesus is providing an insight into what the kingdom of God is like in terms that his listeners would be familiar with. And then after he's given them these glimpses, he checks to make sure that he's been heard loud and clear. He gets the thumbs up, and then comes the therefore. So Jesus wasn't simply telling his friends because of their curiosity about the kingdom of heaven, but on account of a purpose that he has for them as agents for and in that very kingdom. He addresses them with a phrase that is unique. In the Gospels, scribes who are being trained for special duties in this coming kingdom. They will be like the masters of households who bring out of their treasure what is new and what is old. Jesus doesn't ask his disciples if they understand this bit of his teaching. It's a bit like the ending of the Barbie movie that's been talked up in the press this week. I won't spoil it for you, but it's kind of a a drop-the-mic moment. And what, what does Jesus mean by this? What does he mean about being masters of households and bringing out treasures? As we consider this, I think it helps for us to bear in mind that these three parables, those which Jesus had just finished telling together, are meant to be taken as parts of a whole. In other words... He's telling a collection of stories that are meant to relate to one another somehow. So as he gets to the end, he wants his listeners to remember what he said concerning the kingdom of heaven from the beginning. He's told us that it is much sought after, that it is extremely valuable, that there is nothing more precious, and that it contains citizens from all over. What else do we learn about the kingdom of heaven? We are taught that those who have been prepared to engage with the kingdom of heaven will turn out their pockets and empty out their closets for the cause. For some of us, that'll be harder to do than others. I can remember my father telling me about an Irish couple He grew up knowing. The McGee's were not neighbors of his. and In fact, he never met them. But as a teenager, he knew a great deal about them and their lives. My dad and his older brother would gather around the radio to listen to Molly and Fibber and their misadventures. And one of the famously recurring routines involved the ill-advised opening of a door leading to a far too full closet. While not many people have a storage space as tightly packed as the McGee's, we all have quite a bit of stuff, and some of that stuff may be hindering our relationship with God. And if you want to know what those things might be, think about those which you may be the fondest of. The closets of our homes and the closets of our hearts are not only repositories for earthly possessions, but they also contain the collected stuff of the soul, the sin, which clings so close as the Apostle Paul so accurately described it, the anger that we hold on to, the hurt we have yet to forgive, the jealousy that saps our energy, the coveting. Of people and things that lead us astray. To be clear, jettison, jettison, getting rid of these things will not earn us a ticket into the kingdom of heaven. Christ alone has the power to achieve that on our behalf. But as masters of households, we are stewards of God's gifts. And we are to have used them in this life to his glory and not our own. We are to joyously give all out of sheer gratitude for all that Jesus has already accomplished. In our Old Testament reading from the Pentateuch, we heard one of the many instructions that was given to the Israelites as they were preparing to enter into this land of promise. And this one concerns the tithe, the giving of the first fruits back to God. But here in our New Testament reading, Jesus is teaching his followers that 10% isn't all that God wants from us. It it may start there, yes, but that's that's not where it ends. God wants all of us, our time, our talent, our treasure, you probably heard it said you can't take it with you. And why would you want to anyway? When what exists in the kingdom of heaven is so vastly superior to anything that we can possess elsewhere. We are called to let go. To let go of all our stuff, our real property and our intellectual as well, loosing our grip on it and Its grip on us, giving it back to the one who donated it to us in the beginning. He will decide what, if any, of our stuff is useful in that kingdom. This is, I believe, what Jesus is inviting his disciples to do. This is, I believe, what Jesus is inviting us to do. This is, I believe, what we ought to feel compelled to do when we take stock of just what has been done for and given to us. Far more than we could ever hope or imagine. Far more than we could make or earn on our own. One day this past week, a piece of mail came. Remarkably, it wasn't a bill or a solicitation of some sort. that's a rare enough occurrence, but so I took notice. My high school has published another edition of their alumni newsletter, and my copy had arrived. Sometime later, I had a moment to look through it, and I have to admit, it is a pretty slick piece of marketing, if I do say so myself, but the academy has a pretty big communications budget anyhow one of the articles included a series of profiles of a select few of the graduates the class of 2023 i don't know what the specific criteria they used for picking the students was but those who featured were doubtless some of the best and the brightest and Had the school done such an article 40 years ago, I'm confident I would not have made the cut. (laughs) Included in this feature was a photo and a brief bio of each one, and then some lightly edited responses to a couple of questions. Things like, what was your most vivid memory of your academic career, and who was your favorite teacher, and why, And, and this one. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? Out of the half dozen or so newly minted alumni, you'll be shocked to know that not one of them mentioned anything about church, despite this being a school run by a religious order. Okay, so maybe you wouldn't be all that surprised. In fact, I would have been shocked if one of them had actually mentioned church being part of their lives in 10 years. No, what's on the mind of these youth were things like higher education, careers, and family, pretty much what you would expect from most any recent graduate. But a decade down the line, when they arrive at what must seem like a far-off milestone, I hope each and every one of them will have been granted the divine wisdom to know that whatever they are then pursuing, whatever then they have achieved, whatever then they will possess, any and all of it, doesn't begin to measure up to the riches nor the richness of the kingdom of heaven. I pray that they would have the courage to admit it and the strength to offer it all up to the king. May we, who are, in general, a bit more chronologically and perhaps spiritually mature, be models and mentors to these people. May we be the ones who are willing to show what joyous gratitude looks like by loosing All that we have been holding on to, treasures and trash, bringing it all before the cross. That it would be sorted and sifted and refined for suitable use in the kingdom of heaven. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.